You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by HuntStand. HuntStand is the number one hunting app in the country, and at only $29.99, HuntStand offers a ton of functionality for hunters all over the country. Whether you own your own property or strictly hunt public, you can choose from over a dozen base maps, view property ownership information, 3D mapping, local weather, log your sightings and harvest, as well as use their trail cam management software, and print maps from your hunt areas. Download it today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. Hunt Stand. Upgrade your arsenal. All right, welcome to the show, everybody. Got a full house tonight. What's up, guys? How's it going? What's up, bud? It's going. Marathon night tonight. We we recorded two shows in a row tonight. Yeah, knocked out a couple. To uh, well, to get, I, I say that I wasn't in here for the first one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you come in right at the last minute. We talked to, uh, or we we're recording this show and the show we did before um, before we leave for our elk trip, so that we can give you guys some some shows while we're gone yep and uh we're in a marathon andy's actually currently on his phone buying stuff buying things for the trip hopefully they make it in time (laughs) uh we just recorded a show with john lusk of lutch lusk archery adventures and more than likely if you've ever got on youtube and looked up a review on broadheads any broadheads more than likely he was one of the top ones to pop up yeah and i don't want to spoil the show but the reason why Andy's on his show or on his phone right now is because he's finishing something. Yeah. So yeah, we'll let you know later. <laughs> we'll let you know later what he's doing. Um, so yeah, today's show broadhead testing with Lusk Archery. Um, before we get into it, it's a decently long show. A lot of great information on there. Um, we got two sponsors for today: Alps Outdoors. Check them out. Alps Gear, Alps Brands. dot com, and uh, Huntworth. Mm-hmm. 
Huntworth Gear. Check them out at HuntworthGear.com. Use the code MWW15. 15%. For 15% off. This show will come out just before uh, archery season hits here in Missouri. So if you need stuff from either of those guys, I'd say probably time to do it. But It's getting getting crunch time to uh, kick off season here in, in Missouri by the time this comes out. It'll be uh, no. This one will not be yet. It'll be the. It'll week be before. another what week? We yeah, have right before, before season. Yeah, yeah be close, sorry. man. So I'm but, excited. I mean, but honestly, you have till the re- in my opinion, personal opinion, you have another solid month until the real good uh, archery hunting gets kicked off there that mid to late October, early November. Last year was the first year I did not go sit in a tree on September 15th for just tradition's sake. Yeah, I feel a lot better that I did now, and I and. Unless it's about 40 degrees with a nice south wind or something on September 15th, that probably won't be this year just because trying to bank those days like we talked about with the the time management show we did. Yeah. You know, not use them all up before it's really good time. So uh, I've got – if I've been watching my cams, obviously, my cameras, and if they continue to do what they do, they're in shooting light in the morning so we'll see what happens though but they're not it's not consistent you know it's just been a handful of times so we'll see nice maybe they'll run away from your place and come to mine (laughs) 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 nothing showing up yet huh i'm i mean i have a few uh just not the the one the oh wow year that i you know usually i get one or two a year that's like that's the one i'm after and i just there's still some decent deer but uh I got hopefully the rut will mix up the neighborhood and i'll get get something bumping over i got one oh wow one oh wow that's a goofy dude i'm gonna shoot him and, right and then a few up-and-comers so nice or as nate says jim bob and joe yeah yeah <laughs> you are you making fun of me nicknaming deer a little bit you do it i do it but it's funny because you're adamant about it i love it i i have it's time one I of forget, the things i forget the names i rename, <laughs> I rename them something different the it's next one year. of the things i i almost love most in the world i don't know why i like it so much but i really like nicknaming deer Maybe you need to come up with a movie that you base all your names off of. Maybe that'll make it easier. It's not a movie. It's a freaking video game. It was a movie awesome. Movie, video game, it was all the above. probably had to pick like Tombstone or Top Top Gun. That would be my top couple movies. Yeah, but see, people use Top Gun. Do something like SpongeBob, you know, be cool. (laughs) Okay, Mortal Kombat. (laughs) That's exactly right. There's a freaking blood code in Mortal Kombat. It just, it goes so great. Blood code? Yeah, there's a blood code. Finish him, you know? I mean, it, <laughs> Jeez, it works perfectly man. for hunting deer. So You're a nerd. <laughs> I, I realize that. Yeah, it happens. Anyways, back to the show. Yeah. Uh, we did the sponsors, right? Yep. yep. Okay, let's get into the show with John Lusk. A lot of, of information. <laughs> Lusk Archery Adventures. This is the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. Okay, today's guest, we have John Lusk with Lusk Archery. John, how's it going, sir? Hey, going good. Thanks for the opportunity to be with you guys here tonight. No problem, man. We, uh, we're, I say this every damn week, I've got to think of a new show. We're big fans. How about that? <laughs> there yeah. we go. We're big fans, big fans. And, <laughs> and super jacked up to talk about this. You know, we... It's been a hot topic for us. Uh, <laughs> it really has here, been. As of, as of late. Yeah. So. Yeah. So tonight, we're going to talk about broadheads and broadhead testing which is what john is 
really good at and expertise. does a great job at. So before we get into it, why don't you introduce yourself, tell everybody what you do um, as far as the Lusk Archery Adventures and what, what that is, and um, then we'll kind of get into just this cool thing that you got going on YouTube with uh, testing um, broadheads. Give, give some fun facts about yourself. Cool. Yeah. My name is John Lusk and uh, I, you know, I, I work full time as a pastor, I've been a pastor for, wow, like 35 years or something like that, a long time. But, uh, but on the side, my passion, my hobby of choice is bow hunting. I was raised in a, a archery family. My mom and dad were competitive archers in St. Louis, matter of fact. And, nice. uh, and that's how I grew up. I was just like a one till five years old shooting my bow at Creve Corps field archery <laughs> range that my dad helped start back then and back there in the day. Go. But, uh, but ever since then I've been shooting and hunting a lot. And I really started getting into uh, broadhead testing several years ago. And it's kind of funny the way it happened. You know, I'm an engineer by education and, and I have a graduate degree in theology. So I started as an engineer, then went into the ministry, always bow hunted through both of those careers. But I, um, I love to figure out how things work and what's the best way for things to work. So I've, I've always had a passion of figuring out what's the best broadhead, you know, kind of like, I don't know, it, it dates me, but Jimi Hendrix, you know, guitar player, he's always looking for the, the perfect note that's going to bring world peace. You know, it's this <laughs> ever elusive journey of his. And that's how it is with a lot of bow hunters to find the perfect broadhead. So uh, as I was researching that and shooting a lot of different heads on my hunts on archery talk, this online forum, I won this little, you know, giveaway contest thing for a Bishop Archery broadhead. And they were like a really expensive broadhead. Okay. They were brand new and I won one. It was valued like $150 for oh, one. Oh wow. gosh. And, I thought I spent some money this year. Me, he, said, he goes, Hey, you know, if you wouldn't mind, cause I, I had a few hunting videos just, just for fun, some hog hunting videos and stuff on a YouTube channel. He said, maybe you want to do a test of some kind and, and show a little bit about what this broadhead could do. So I was like, all right. And so I didn't know what to do. And I like shot it into a pumpkin, you know, I'm like, what do I have laying around the house that I can shoot <laughs> it into and shot it into a, a frozen hog shoulder that, that yeah. I had and, and some steel plate and all these different things. And then I posted the video and it started, you know, getting a lot of traction. I'm like, hey, this is kind of fun. <laughs> and then I started testing other broadheads. I thought that I had laying around the house. I'm like, well, let me test this one and do a video on this one. And and I buy more and do videos. And I just really got into it. And it was, you know, really getting kind of more and more popular on YouTube. And I also, my real passion was posting hunting videos. But then on YouTube, I, you know, I was kind of reading the writing in the wall and and saw that they're, they're kind of like not promoting hunting videos so right. much, you know, you can still do it, but it's like, when is it going to stop? You know, mm -hmm. when's it just going to run dry, but broadhead testing, I thought, well, that's something that can go year round. I don't have to wait for a hunt and YouTube, you know, isn't banning it so much and, uh, and they're promoting it. So I thought, well, let me do more of this. And so I did more and more. And, and then as I got more followers and more views and so forth, I started to monetize the, the, the videos on YouTube. And that gave me a little bit of revenue to buy more broadheads and then started approaching broadhead companies and saying, hey, would you count me some heads that I can test and I'll do this objective testing. And so I've been doing that. And then viewers donate a lot of broadheads now, which I really appreciate. They're curious how it performs. So I've been doing this for what, like probably five years now. Okay. And my 
my testing has evolved from the pumpkin days, you know, <laughs> to what I have going on now, you know, and I've just gotten more and more into it. And my engineering mind is kind of working. So I, you know, this year in 2021, I've come up with what I think is a really good protocol and I'm using it for a bunch of different tests. I think by the end of this year, I'll probably have, I'll have well over 70 videos and have tested, gosh, I mean, I don't even know how many broadheads, probably 50 of those will be broadhead test videos and some of them have multiple heads. So mm -hmm. maybe 80 or so different broadheads this year alone on my YouTube channel. So it's been cool to see Lusk Archery Adventures YouTube channel just growing and growing like that. Yeah. Um, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, why don't you explain kind of, um, cause we'll have probably some specific questions I'm guessing, oh, yeah. but why don't you explain how your testing process works? Like what you do, I know it changes a little bit for mechanicals and fixed, um, on like the durability side, I think, but <clears throat> kind of break it down what you do when, you know, you, you decide to test ahead. Yeah, I appreciate you asking that. You know, you know, again, being an engineer, I have this scientific mind and research kind of driven mind. And so I was getting frustrating going, going, how do you know what's a good broadhead? Do you trust the marketing? I mean, every package looks so good and sounds so good. And, and there's professionals that are endorsing it saying, this is the best head, you know, that I've ever used. And, and then, you know, your buddies, they like whatever they took their best animal with. They're like, oh, <laughs> this one's, you know, awesome. And, oh, that one sucks, you know, because they, they hit it bad or something. And so you can't really trust that. So what I decided to do was to generate some, uh, some data points, basically, where I could test the broadheads in a number of different consistent ways, very consistent. My goal is consistency. So I want to test the heads in the same way, the same tests, so that you can, so anyone can then compare one head to another in how they perform in each of these tests. So for fixed blade heads, I do a distance test, a flight test, because man, 95% of, of killing an animal is shot placement. Mm -hmm. So I used to shoot a balloon at 70 yards, and but now in 2021, I switched it to where I shoot one field point and two broadheads, just offhand, no tuning, no siding in, just screw it in and shoot it at 40 yards. And I just see how well they group. There's a little human error in there, but I basically just see how well they group together. I don't do that for the mechanicals just because all the mechanicals fly really, really well for me. My bow's really well tuned. And, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I use a, a tight helical fletching, you know, on it. So it spirals really well, heavy FOC. I got 20% FOC. So, and I, I shoot decently. So I, I, you know, I'm pretty consistent, even mm -hmm. with fixed blade heads, most of them group fairly well. Mechanicals are a non-issue. So that's like a flight test. But then I also test for penetration and I use two different tests for penetration. Again, my goal is consistent mediums. So I can't use animal parts. I don't use animals like that. I mean, I, it'd be cool to do it in some ways, but the bone densities and geometries vary so much they really have no comparative value. If you hit, you know, a scapula at this angle versus this angle, you know, one broadhead could be destroyed and the other go really well. But that one that was that did really well might be a lot weaker because of just the inconsistency in the bone geometry. So for there to be consistent data points, the mediums have to be consistent and uniform. So I do one that kind of simulates an animal where I have two layers of rubber foam mat 
that sandwich a half inch layer of MDF, medium density fiberboard. And then that's backed up by clear ballistics, clear gel. It's FBI grade gel. And clear ballistics makes this, this non-food gel. You know, use the food gels, they get rotten and stinky after about a month or so. You gotta keep them <laughs> in the refrigerator. Wife did not like that. But this synthetic gel is clear. And so you can see what the broadhead does. So that's one medium. It goes through kind of like a hide is like the uh, the rubber foam mat and like a bone is like the MDF and the gel is like kind of like tissue. It has its limitations, but that's one test. So I do a penetration test. How far does the head penetrate in that? And then I do another penetration test that's just layered uh, cardboard. And so I see how many layers of cardboard, I shoot it in there and it's so easy to count. How many did it penetrate through? So those are two penetration tests. I do a sharpness test where out of the box, I have this, this cool machine and the machine is made by edge on up. And I just recently found it, a, a viewer turned me on to it and it measures like you, you press down with a, with a, a knife or a broadhead on this little copolymer wire. And the copolymer wires are, they're not cheap. And they're designed because specifically because they break at a very consistent pressure. So they're super consistent. They're held together in a little bracket and you press down on that copolymer wire that's, that's connected to a scale. And then you measure how many grams of pressure it takes for the edge to cut through that copolymer wire. And then there's kind of a system of, of showing how sharp the head is in that regard. So I do that for out of the box sharpness. And then I do it again after penetration test one, which is the MDF, the rubber foam mat and the clear ballistics gel. So that then I see, well, how well did it retain its edge after it did that first penetration test? Cause a lot of heads can be really sharp out of the box but if it gets really dull after hitting that first hide, you're, you're host. I mean, you, you don't even know that because you can't test it. So edge retention is actually even more important sometimes than the initial out of the box sharpness. So I do that test and then I do some durability tests that are fun for mechanicals. I take uh, five shots at a half inch layer of MDF and just see how well the blade does, how well the head does. And I examine that and I give a rating accordingly and one to 10. And then for the fixed plate heads, I use 22 gauge steel plate and I shoot a broadhead into that five times and see how well it does. And then kind of just for fun, but also it's a, it's a decent test. Cinder I blocks. do a zero penetration test where I shoot it into cinder block. And so that's just kind of fun to watch it and watch it in slow motion. But I shoot <laughs> every head into cinder block and see how well does it hold up? And that, you know, we don't hunt cinder block. And every once in a while, I'll get a comment. Somebody goes, well, thank God we don't hunt cinder blocks. And I'm like, ah, yeah, yeah. You're the first to make that joke. But, but, you know, a zero penetration test is actually a good test of right. the structural integrity of a head. And, and man, I've had heads do very well in cinder block, but then I hit a hog joint, you know, in the, in the hip at a certain angle and had that head bend terribly. And so sometimes what happens in an animal is even more difficult than hitting into a cinder block. And okay. so, you know, it's a decent test. So those are the, the tests that I do. And then I post a score sheet and I let people kind of look at the scores and see, you know, the areas that matter to them the most. Maybe they don't care about the concrete test. That's okay. You know, they can just look and, and use the flight test or use the penetration test. And I give the specifics of the broadhead too, like the cut size and the dimensions and so forth and the cost 
uh, of each head. So they have a comparative value. So you don't have to trust the marketing. You don't have to just listen to what your buddy likes or doesn't like based on his personal experience, but you can see really clear objective data points that are compiled on consistent tests and use that as a gauge to, to judge the head. And then I give it a Lusk grade, just because people were asking, can you just give us one number? And it's hard to combine all those mathematically. It's, it's really impossible to do that. So I just, you know, with my familiarity, I, I judge them on a score of one to 10 golden arrows in how well that broadhead accomplishes what it sets out to accomplish. Nice. So on your on the sharpness test, the lower the number would be the better, the the less yeah. less amount of grams. That's right. So what I do, but I want I make it a little bit easier. Is okay. So if you like, if I'm pressing down, it takes 200 grams to uh, to cut through that copolymer wire. That's really sharp. That's like a you know like a, a razor blade kind of sharp. And in the description box, I post kind of a scale of this is what these different numbers mean. But then I translate that into a score of one to 10. So if it's like take zero to 200 grams of pressure, meaning it's very sharp, it gets a 10. And then for every hundred grams more, it loses one number. So if it's, you know, 300 grams of pressure, it gets a nine, 400 grams of pressure, it gets an eight. And the same thing, I do a similar thing with the edge retention, for every 50 grams more that it takes to cut through the copolymer wire, I meaning it's dulled by an extra 50 grams, it, it loses uh, a point from a 10 point scale. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. So this might be hard because I know you kind of changed your uh, testing, you know, in the last year or whatever you were saying, because I know you used to rub, you used to take a, an arrow and yeah. you know run it down the the blade and then test if it could cut a piece of paper yeah so i i think like my current head that i went to this year i don't think you've used that test on it yet i don't remember but which what head is that i that i am i'm now shooting the iron wheel solids um yeah i, I don't remember you know, if you did that one i this year let's see i tested the wide this year yeah you, you tested the solid. wide solid yep yeah, and then I tested the um, the single bevel, which I'd been bugging Bill to make for a few years, and <laughs> and that's a winner. He did a great job with that head. Um, yeah, and I can't remember if I start. I started using the Edge on Up tester in March, and so that's when I began. I can't remember if I if I tested any of those with that. Yeah, so I used to use that. I, it's funny because I was looking for a medium to test the edge retention, and I tried. So many things like I took the, a broadhead and I shove it into a cardboard box a bunch of times, or I took an antler and tried rubbing it across the head, or I took a screwdriver and uh, a hog skull and a, a tusk. I mean, I tried everything, but I wanted something that could separate the, the ones that really can hold their edge from the ones that can't in really simply in a few strokes. And the, for whatever reason, an Easton hex shaft was the thing that did it. So I would stroke it and within five strokes, I mean, a lot of heads could no longer cut paper. That's so I crazy. used that for a while, but that, you know, pushing on the paper, it's kind of inconsistent and people are like, well, it looks like, you know, you held your fingers closer together on this one than that one. And I'm not trying to like be biased, but you know, <laughs> the, the edge on up thing just makes it, you know, more, you see the number on the machine, you know, and, yeah, right. and it is what it is. More consistent for sure. 
more yeah. consistent. And that's my whole goal. I mean, the, the data to be, you know, have comparative value, it has to be consistent. So that's what I strive for. Nice. What is some of the, uh, I'm kind of hesitating to ask this question because he hasn't tested like every head with the new one, the new way he's doing it. But what are some of the, um, do you do that test on, uh, mechanicals also? The yeah. sharpness? Did? Okay. Oh yeah, for sure. So off the top of your head, you don't have to be perfect, but what are some of the three out of the box sharpest blades, mechanical or, or fixed combined that you have tested so far on that method? Uh, well, that's a good question. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I've tested so many. I mean, just in the last week, I tested 14 heads. So, I mean, I just, I've got all the data. I mean, if you could see my data, <laughs> I have, I, seriously, I probably have 50 broadheads and broadhead pieces all over this desk. And so it's hard for me to remember everything, but I, um, I think the ones from G5, they're extremely sharp, whether fixed or uh, mechanical, they're extremely sharp out of the box. Now they, you know, they, they lose a bit, but they're like typically in the 150 to 200 range. I mean, they almost always score tens. Now, not the, um, not like the Montec, not the, the solid steel ones. Those aren't as sharp, but the, uh, the, the replaceable blade ones, you know, the Lutz mm -hmm. blades, right. same thing with, um, with Slick Trick, uh, Exodus, I mean, those are tooth. Of the, I mean, not tooth of the air. Um, Iron Will. Those are some of the ones that are known for really being extra sharp. Well, and I mean, I think both the guys did. Although Andy, Andy was watching one of your videos right before we started, and he's like, "Crap!" <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't, I don't know what you're going to end up doing here. But, uh, it, yeah, you know, we'll like I, I used his videos, and I watched all kinds of of different videos, but all three of us this year switched from. <laughs> Um, we were all running slick tricks and mm -hmm. slick trick standards, um, never really an issue with them. Um, and like you were saying, it's probably just something we experienced where, you know, my, I didn't like a couple blood trails and it was probably just me or whatever, you know, shot placement. Um, you were, were you still shooting those two this year or last year? Slick yeah. tricks? I thought we all were. Those it's just kind of uh, funny. You also shot the alphas. I shot some dirt nap alphas, which yeah. I did like those. But anyway, it's just kind of funny because there for a while we were all together. You know, we ah, let's let's shoot the same thing, and now we've all like branched out to different heads. So what I yeah. thought what I thought we might do here is each of us tell you what we decided to shoot this year, okay. kind of give a quick rundown <laughs> of that one, and then we might talk about some popular heads and kind of what you think of the or the reviews you kind of came up with those verbally, and then obviously people can go onto your YouTube channel and. Uh, talk about it but since i already said it i guess i'll start and then we'll move down the couch yep all right so i moved to the iron wheel solid s100s this year um i decided to uh sell my firstborn and buy a set of those so uh, sorry kylie <laughs> give your give a quick rundown of what you think of those heads yeah they, you know they're fantastic i you know i got to know bill the the designer of those um, in Colorado, we, we met at a shop or something that I used to go to and we became good friends. I mean, I was just texting him earlier today. He's up on a caribou hunt, but he, you know, he's a, a an instructor. He teaches 
physics at uh, University of Colorado. And so he knows his stuff and, and he's a bow hunter. And what he's done with his broadheads is really exceptional. I mean, he's really researched the steel and what's what he thinks is the best steel to use. And steel makes a heck of a difference when it comes to broadhead choice. And it's not it's not absolutely essential. None of this is essential, right? You can kill stuff with a rock, but, um, but you know, he uses an A2 steel and the way it's hardened and the, the cryogenic process that they use for hardening as well as the, the heat treating process, they use both to harden it. The A2, what it's known for is one, it has a really high Rockwell hardness of like 60. So that's super high. Yet a lot of times when like, a, if you took a stainless steel and brought it up to a 60 Rockwell hardness, you could do that, but then it becomes really brittle. But A2 is a tool steel meaning it has a really high resistance to impact. And so the A2 that they use has a resistance to impact that's about, it's measured by the Sharpie V-notch score. And they like there's Rockwell that measures hardness and Sharpie V-notch that measures impact resistance. And that's really important in a broadhead because it's impacting hard and how well is it gonna resist that impact without denting or chattering or, or breaking. And A2 is exceptional, it's about, three times as resistant to impact as is a typical stainless steel that's used in broadhead. So that's where they start. And then their design of the head, the geometry is just exceptional. The thickness and the components are machined to like, you know, the hundreds of thousands of an inch or something like that. I mean, it just, the specs are out of this world. And so those heads fly really well. They, they stick in concrete. I think every time I've shot them into a cinder block, they just stick and you can barely tell they've been shot into anything, let alone cinder block. I mean, they're just, they're exceptional broadheads, no doubt about it. But I also heard you say you like their single bevel, huh? I do like their single bevel. So I, you know, I asked, I, I have another So friend, close to okay? doing that, so close. I have another friend that really, he started Bishop Archery. He's the one that I won that broadhead from, an archery talk. And he uses S7 tool steel, which is like the most expensive. It's it's super resistant to impact, almost double resistant to impact what the A2 is. And so he's really into single bevel heads. And so I got really into single bevel heads and testing them. And, and I asked Bill, have you ever considered it? And he was like, I don't know, you know. I don't know if it really, is it really hype? Is it real? I'm like, yeah, try it. Well, then he decided, okay, he's just going to try it for his own experimentation. And so he created one and he made a, a lighter bevel angle. I don't want to get too technical, but the first one that he made, he sent it to me to test and it got pretty dinged up. And I'm, I, I thought he should use a, a steeper angle. So he changed it. And then I tested that and man, that did really well. And then he, he used that head on a hunt and he couldn't believe the difference between that and a double bevel. He was not a believer until he used his own head. And it's like identical everything except one single bevel, one's double bevel. And the difference made him a believer. And so uh, mm -hmm. now, you know, it's not like the animal's gonna drop with a single bevel, you know, and it's gonna run a mile with a double bevel. It's not that kind of difference, but if you're, you're splitting hairs, there are some differences to so it. So before we move down the couch to Andy, Explain to the listener what what a single bevel does differently than a double bevel once it enters an animal. 
Yeah, that's is, a good question. So what it does is, and the bevel just means like the blade sharpness angle. So most knives and most broadheads are double bevel, meaning that the edge is angled on both sides of the blade. Like you see an angle to it, you know, maybe like uh, 25 degrees on each side or 20 degrees on each side. But a single bevel means there's only one angle. So it just, it's like just a, a flat side on one side of the broadhead and an angle on the other side. And so um, what a single bevel does is the veins and the, the shaft in flight already create a spin on the arrow. It's rotating really fast. That's the rifling effect that keeps an arrow's trajectory straight, just like the rifling of a bullet inside of the barrel. So it, it spins like that, but a double bevel, when it penetrates, it all that spinning is lost. It just immediately straightens the arrow and it doesn't rotate anymore. But a single bevel not only allows the rotation of that shaft to continue because it's angled, but as it penetrates, it actually forces even more rotation of the head. So the, the beauty behind that is not only are you able to, to maximize that spin, but that spin does two things. One, it kind of scrapes the, uh, the, 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 the edge a little bit more than just cutting through it. Like it cuts through it, but it kind of like twists a little bit, like twisting a knife into somebody. I, you know, if you have a choice, you're gonna just stab me straight or stab it and twist it. I go, I'll take the straight, you know, I don't want the twisting. So, you know, an animal feels the same way. But then the bigger thing that a single bevel does is when it penetrates bone, because of that rotation, it pries it apart. And so a lot of times like this Cape Buffalo behind me, when I shot it in its ribs with a single bevel, I, I'd show you, but we can't show the viewers, but I got the, the arrow right behind me, but it, when it penetrated the ribs, it literally split the rib long ways. And so when it splits the rib like that, one, it hurts a lot more than just cutting a little hole in the rib, but two, it pries it apart and allows the arrow shaft to penetrate through it much with much less friction. So it penetrates deeper because of the way it pries a hole open in the shaft, in the, in the, in the rib or the bone. So it, you know, it splits bone more effectively and it cuts a little bit more tissue. Now, what some people think about single bevels, there's a rage right now about single bevel that's kind of misinformed. People picture it like a drill, like you're, you're shooting an animal, it's like, and it just like rotates a hundred times. It doesn't, you know, it'll rotate in a, in a deer, a single bevel head, most of them will rotate about maybe 10, 12 degrees, okay, through a deer. That's it. So, so, you know, it's, yeah, it's like, I mean, that's, that's 45 or 90, what you just did. So, I mean, it's just, you know, that's, we're talking like minor. So maybe you're getting like 10% more cut or something like that. It's very negligible in smaller animals. So, you know, it can kind of be overrated, but for a big animal where you're going to have to breach heavy bone, then man, a single bevel really does make a difference because it pries that bone apart rather than just kind of blasting through it. That makes sense. Dang it. I, I almost was, you know, <laughs> lower regret hard, there. Well, little harder, buyer's remorse. Harder to um, sharpen them, I've kind of heard, just because yeah. you can't really, yeah. No, I'm not really having well, buyer's no, remorse. No, single bevels are the easiest to sharpen. Single are easier. Yep. Oh, yeah. I quit. You just lay it flat. <laughs> I mean, it's just one side. You just literally put it on stone. And stroke it. You don't have to get the angle on both sides. You can feel it. And a good single bevel will be thick. It has to be thick enough 
for for there really to be an effect of the on the rotation so it has to be really thick and because it's thick and it has that angle it's so easy to find the bevel angle so you just lay it on that angle and sharpen away super easy that's another mm. thing in my testing i have a ease to resharpen score and you'll see that the single bevels usually score really high unless they have a, a tricky little tanto tip mm -hmm. and the iron wheel kind of does have that that's a little more difficult to navigate sharpening that tip but the main single bevel blades and some broadheads only have two edges no tanto tip i really like those they're the easiest in the world to sharpen damn Maybe I ought to call Bill, just be like, hey, Bill, I know you don't know me, but can I get three free? <laughs> uh, anyway, okay, so that was the Iron Will Solids. Andy, do you want to go down this road? Or I don't do even want to say. <laughs> I don't even want to. Or like, I'm not sure. So, so I switched uh, from what I was shooting because I was not happy with the blood trails I was getting. Uh, and back in my younger years, I felt like I got better blood trails with what I, I used to You're not to the shoot. only one that thinks that. Yeah. But uh, I went back this year. I'm going back or to the Rage Tripan is what I'm going to. Um, mostly for white-tailed deer. Um, you know, and I know some states don't allow mechanicals for elk hunting. Colorado does. So I think I'm going to take those out west as well. Um, I'm sure I'll get a bunch of crap for that. But I feel comfortable with them. So I know, yeah. Let's hear the review. So, yeah. so Andy so was let, just watching let, a video. Be, just be brutally honest. <laughs> let me have it. Okay, so let me just say this first of all. In my testing, you know, I'll give a score to the heads, and I have these data points. But I would not want anything I test to be shot into me, right? <laughs> <laughs> they're all going to hurt, and they're all going to kill. So, I mean, I can go get a head at Walmart for 3 bucks, and it's going to kill something if right. it hits it right. So, I'm splitting hairs to a degree. I'm just showing, you know, what's the difference? You know, it's not like pass fail. It's like, okay, what, you know, what are the strengths and weaknesses? That's my goal. The, the rage, you know, the tripan, the hypo, man, they have killed so many animals. I've used them in the field and they've done fairly well for me. Um, a lot of people really like them. I think the design is really cool. The slip cam design and the way it opens so quickly, the rear deployment, it guarantees you're going to have at least one big hole. Like, right. you know, mechanicals, you can either have a front deploying head or a rear deploying head and both can kill really well. But a front deploying head, if you don't get a pass through, you're only getting one hole and it's going to be a little hole because right. it goes in small and then it opens up big. But a rear deploying head, at least you're going to get one that big first, hole. Yeah. So that first one's going to be big. And so a lot of times that's all you need. And if you get a pass through, all the better. So I like rear deploying mechanicals and the Rage is a really good one. Now, I will say this, though, that Rage spends, I've heard numbers, okay, <laughs> like upwards of 90% of their budget on marketing. Right. And so what you're getting, the design is pretty sound, the materials are not very good. So right. in every test that I've done, every time I do some sort of destruction test of mechanicals, the rage is typically one of the first to either terribly bend or break a blade. Now that doesn't mean, you know, and, and the newer tripans, they're designed to bend rather than break. The old days they had a problem with breaking because if it bends, it's still going to cut tissue. Mm -hmm. And again, they can be really lethal. Um, 
I prefer if like all other things are equal, I'd rather have a head that the blades don't bend. And so if I, I go, well, it can still kill if they if the blades bend, absolutely. And they won't even bend many of the times. But if I can shoot ahead where they're not going to bend, then I'd rather shoot that. Right. And so that's why I do the testing that I do. So nothing, nothing wrong with Rage, that, but, but they are one of the weaker mechanical heads just in durability that, that's on the market, to be really <laughs> honest. But they, man, they can kill a lot of deer. For Whitetail, I mean, it's not that big of a challenge. My, my goal, you know, in any broadhead, here's my overall philosophy. And I'm going to be doing a video soon on... Uh, broadheads and blood trails and just understanding lethality in broadheads and stuff like that. Cause there's a lot of misinformation, but my goal is one to get a pass through or as close to a pass through as I can possibly get. I want to you know, stack the odds that I'm going to get two holes. Two holes is better blood. You know, with elk, they can run a long ways, oh, yeah. it, you know, it, or yep. white tail for that matter. And blood trails sometimes are paramount. You don't know where they went. And so I want a good chance at two holes. Then two, I want to cut as wide of a cut as possible while I'm cutting those two holes. Not necessarily as much like, like, okay, you shot the slick trick standards. That's two inches of cut, right? One inch each way. I mm -hmm. use those for years. A rage, typical rage is two inches of cut, but there is a incredible difference in blood trail between a two inch wide cut and a two inch little cross cut right. night and day because the smaller cut, even though it's still cutting two inches, it can plug up much more easily with fat or with hide with tissue. And I've seen that happen a number of times, but the wider a cut is the more, when that animal moves, it tends to stretch and get even wider. And a two inch wide hole ends up typically being about three inches when all is said and done. Whereas a one inch wide hole, even with multiple blades with four blades, it's gonna stay one inch hole. And so, you know, blood trails are typically better with a wider cut. So I want as wide a cut as possible while I'm still getting a pass through. And then the third thing is I want the blade and the, the head to stay intact. <laughs> to mm -hmm. still cut effectively and to, to not bend and not break while it's passing through with that wide cut all the way through the animal. So that's what, and then of course I want it to fly really well because shot placement is 95% of, of blood trailing and people don't understand that. And I understand why they don't understand that. And so I get the same question you were, you know, Andy, you were referencing and I believe me, I'm not condescending. I say the same oh, thing no. like, you know, and when you talk to people about broadheads, does it give a good blood trail? People ask me that, say about an exodus, do you get good blood trails? I go, y you get, you know, what a 1.25 inch cut, you know, in three right. blades will do. Like it's, it's going to do what it's going to do. That's the size of the cut where that arrow goes and how well it holds its edge. That's going to make the difference. But sometimes people go, man, I shot it in the same place as that last year and I didn't get any blood trail, but man, whether a deer's, lungs are inflated or deflated when they're hit, how it moves when it first is struck, that, that animal's anatomy, how, how hard its heart is pumping when it's hit. Like all those things affect a blood trail even more so than the broadhead, honestly. So shot placement is everything. I've shot a grave digger, you know, huge cut, a hybrid right. head, you know, big old mechanical, 1.75 inch mechanical and a one inch cross cut two and a three quarter inches of cut. I shot a deer in Missouri twice. I mean, in a great shot twice. I shot this. It was like a one, <laughs> I got it on my wall right here, 140 class deer. 
and there was never any blood. Now I found it in about 60 yards, but zero blood. That same, the next day I shot a doe with a two blade, one inch cut, one and one eighth inch cut mechanical two blade. And there was blood everywhere. It just sometimes, you know, the anatomy, the exact shot placement that that makes a difference. It's not logical yeah. that a little bitty head would get a better, better blood trail than a big head, but that's just yeah. well, it's you, just not consistent. You make sacrifices like if we could all get away with shooting a head that was 18 inches wide and would fly straight, we probably would because then it would just slice them right in half. But there's a reason we <laughs> it doesn't right. fly. Yeah, if we could all hunt with spears, we'd probably do it. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's funny because I I sometimes I go, man. I shot that deer too far back. If I would have used this big mechanical, I'd have that deer. And then, so the next year I go big mechanical and then I have a quartering two shot. And I'm like, oh man, if I would have had that little fixed blade, you know, I could have blown right through that shoulder. Yeah. Everything is a trade-off like you're saying. So yeah. before we move on to Micah's choice this year, do you, I know, so yesterday you sent a picture to Micah and I huh. of all the different broadheads that you currently oh, own man. on yeah. your bow case. Was there another one that you were thinking about that you want to ask about? Oh man, I I my second favorite probably. I, we, he's already kind of talked a little bit on the the slick trick, but uh, that dirt nap alpha. Oh, the DRTs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know they again they can certainly get the job done. A lot of people really love those, and they've got a great following. The quality of steel is, you know, it's like in the budget broadhead category of steel quality. So it's edge retention. The edge chatter is, um, you know, it, it's not as good as some others. But but again, that doesn't mean it's not going to kill an animal. And, you know, Andy, I like your confidence. Like you got everybody has to feel like, man, I got the baddest broadhead there is. Like, <laughs> because when you feel that way, it really does make a difference. You know, when you're second guessing that shot or when there's one more insecurity going through your mind in that moment of truth, that can really jack you up and make a difference. So your confidence, it, it, it does make a difference. And so everyone has to be confident. That's why I love there's, there's a lot of choices. Mm -hmm. um, personally, I, I'd take a slick trick over that just because they're, they're a bit more durable okay. and the steel is just a, a bit better. Well, but and that's, I, you know, that's just me. I mean, I think too, like, what are you trying to get out of it? Because, with some of these broadheads we're talking about, it'll do the job it needs to do, and then it's probably ruined. But it was only thirty dollars for the pack of three or whatever they are, compared to like I spent a hundred dollars on three iron wheels. I really hope I don't lose one or, you know, ruin one somehow because that just cost me thirty eight dollars or whatever that single broadhead cost. So, you know, it's like. There's some what are you trying to get out of it? Yeah. Yeah. If it does the job yeah, no. and it's trash after that, who cares? It did the job. Okay. But let me comment on that. Cause I, you know, I hear what you're saying and I, you know, I don't disagree with you, Nate, sure. but, but, but there is this, this, there's kind of a misunderstanding about that too. You know, Hey, one and done, who cares? I don't shoot it again. Anyway, I rarely shoot another broadhead again. I mean, I like to sharpen stuff. And so I do at times, but, but, but if it's getting destroyed, it's not doing its job as effectively as it could if it weren't getting destroyed. Uh, yeah, I understand so that. Yep. The quality you have with an iron will is you know it's going to do what it does all the way through that animal. And you don't have to worry about that. Whereas if, if that blade is going to bend, yeah, maybe it killed the animal, but maybe it, it 
it didn't. It didn't and maximize. Maybe it, yeah. it bent so much and the blades broke so much that you go, hey, one and done, who cares? Well, it's not cutting as effectively as it could. So why not, if, if all things are equal, why not get the one with the best steel and the best edge and the best durability and the best cut size, you know, for your personal setup? That's the way I view it. That's and so, yeah, I mean, there's drawbacks of the, the iron wheel, but, you know, the cut size in their, you know, their regular one and one sixteenth inch, you know, diameter, you know, which you is what I've, bleeders? yeah, you have the bleeders or not the bleeders. I've got, yeah, I've got the S 100s with bleeders. Yep. Okay. So that's good. So you get another seven, five, you know, 0.75 that way. Um, but you know, the wide and the one and three eights, I really like that. I thought about it, but I, I just didn't. Yeah, that's okay. You know, but, but you got to know that I've shot a number of, of animals with the iron wheel. And I mean, it's a small cut. And right. so again, shot placement is everything. It's going to penetrate extremely well. So it's a great elk head where penetration is really optimal. I mean, it's really matters for a deer. You're going to blow right through that thing. And so, you know, personally, I like to use a head that is going to blow through it, but make a bigger cut while it blows through it for, for deer. You know, I just, I base the head I'm using on the animal that I'm pursuing. Yeah. So, you know, a big animal like the, uh, like the Cape Buffalo, it's going to be a small two blade single bevel, the, the zebra here, that's going to be a big mechanical. So, you know, it's just, it depends on the animal. Yeah. And then finally, Micah gets to talk about his because I almost went with these and I know a lot of people have talked about them and we know that you did a review on them. So Micah, what'd yeah. you go to? Yeah, like those guys, I was shooting slick tricks and kind of the same deal. Just wasn't getting the blood trails that I was wanting. But like we've talked before, it's probably just, you know, shot user placement. error type thing. For me, it was shot placement, I'm sure. Yeah, shot placement, that sort of thing. But I switched to the Thorn Crowns this year. Ah, cool. Yeah, So, and I mainly picked them because they look gnarly as all get out. <laughs> they, they do look really – I will say that. I've seen some pictures of – what they've done to animals and you're just like, Oh my gosh, like yeah. a buzzsaw. Those are really wicked heads. I couldn't believe how well they flew. I know. And um, that was, I was, I mean, every broadhead out there, they say field point accurate. I've never found that to be the case, but this one, I, I put it in the box and kind of like you did your test. I put it and I just, I was like, screw it. And I, I had a target out at 40 yards and it hit right on the money. So, and I mean, I shot it a handful of times Actually, after that. Didn't you ruin a head right at, the second that was shot. user error. Oh, <laughs> that was user. I error. thought you hit another one. Like I thought you hit. No, I was. <laughs> I already had to replace the blades on. Put him on, the, on spot. On, on, yeah, you'd call me out. Sorry, I didn't. I thought. But anyways, I thought, no, I thought you were but, such a good shot that you hit the other head. No, I bump. <laughs> I bumped my release, Oops. pulling back, and I the target I was shooting has one of those bands around it yeah. and I shot oh. that band and it, it messed up some of the blades. So I had to replace the blades on it already. But other than that, they yeah. fly great. <laughs> yeah, they fly great that, you know, that they're not the most durable, you know, head on mm -hmm. the market. And that, you know, that's a drawback, but most of the time, you know, you're going to be in, in, in okay shape with that. You know, the slick tricks, you, if you're shooting the standard, you know, the, the blood trails are, you know, that's that's just one inch, you know, diameter. But you go up to the Magnum or the Grizz Trick 2, man, that thing, you know, with one and one quarter inch, you know, two ways, you know, that that's a lot of, that's a, that's a good head. I mean, I, I, again, I like the diameter of a, of a bigger cut based on the animal. For a deer, you can I get away with a really big cut trick, or you? an elk, you know, smaller cut. Yeah. And that, I mean, it's just kind of funny because we're all sitting here going, yeah, we almost, mm -hmm. before I, 
because I, I have always loved how my slick tricks flew, you know, um, all yeah. that stuff. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll just go up to like the Grizz trick or the, um, the Grizz trick. I almost I thought it was with. called Viper trick, but whatever you said just now, John, um, Viper trips, a, a, Viper trick's a different one, but the Grizz trick is the one and a quarter. Inch. Okay. Yeah. But then I was like, yeah, it's only a quarter inch bigger, but I guess it does matter. I think the Viper tricks actually yeah. what I was, right. I was shooting the stainless steel Viper trick. And then even with the, uh, with the uh, iron wheels I went to, I, I guess I got to get over this because I ended up going with the solids, the solids, the regular solids instead of the wides because I'm like, well, I want them to, I want to be able to shoot 60 yards. Um, you know, I might have that opportunity in both places. Whereas, you know, the wide maybe doesn't fly as good up past 60 or at 60. And so I, I've stayed with the solid and uh, who knows, I'll end up buying wides probably in a single bevel someday, but <laughs> you know. know. No, you, you'll do fine with a great, you know, good shot. You're going to get good penetration, that's for sure, with that head. And that, what you just said, it it doesn't really matter what any of us are shooting. Right. We all changed this year and doing something different. If we put the shot where it's supposed to be put, that's what matters more than anything. It does. And, yeah. and you know, that's not – you know, easier said than done because we do all make mistakes. And so then you go, well, what if I hit a shoulder? I want a head that's strong enough to, to hold together. Or what if I hit it far back? I want a big enough cut to be able to make up for that. So that's what, you know, we would just need a field point if it only shot placement mm-hmm. was the only issue, but we want to account for as much human error as possible just to, uh, to, to create as much lethality and forgiveness as possible. Yeah, yep. makes sense. So I think magic question. We did all three of ours. For me, I w- what what would be your number one? Or let's choice? say your top three favorite. Top, top three. We'll give them three. Your top three favorite heads that you personally like to shoot. Um, I guess it doesn't matter if they're mechanical or fixed. But do you have like a top three that you have liked testing and um, you know obviously hunt with or whatever that you enjoy? Yeah, and it I do and. It depends on what I'm pursuing. And, you know, because I test so much, the ones that do really good here in my testing, I like to see how they do in the field. So I often will be taking new things out into the field just to see, let's pop a dough with it, you know, and see what happens or something. So I am always, you know, using different heads, but, but, you know, I do have some favorites for fixed. I tell you what, for the price, I'll just be honest, you cannot be an Exodus. Just, you know, I went from slick trick I, years ago. I shot, I don't know, 20 something animals with a slick trick and I, I liked them a lot, but the cut was a little small and the edges just kept getting nicked up. And so then I tried the Exodus and I was like, whoa, I mean, the blades just, you know, they're, they're thicker and they're stronger and I don't know what they did, but man, that head, I've shot that into steel flat bar and it held together. Like that's one of the few Holy heads cow. that can do that. And to do that and have replaceable blades. Wow. I mean, that's just, it's just unheard of to have that durability with replaceable blades at that price point and with that wide of a cut. And it penetrates with a one and a quarter inch cut three ways. And not just the cut because the ferrules fat, 
it's not only strong, but it really makes a triangular hole. You know, one of my buddies calls it the triangle of death. It's not just three slits, it's a hole. And there's a difference. I mean, I try to show that in some of my tests, like when I shoot them into a steel plate, that some just, you see like a little round circle for the shaft, for the ferrule, and three or four slits coming off of it. And some make a square or a triangle. The Exodus makes a, a freaking triangle. And so it penetrates better than the majority of one and one eighth inch three blade heads, but it punches a, a one and a quarter inch diameter triangle instead of three slits. It penetrates better and it cuts more. So that's, I've taken elk with that. I mean, that is just, that's a hard head to beat for the money, you know, for the price. And then, you know, the, the iron will um, for bigger animals, you know, the original and for a little bit smaller animals, the wide, those are really hard to beat. I love tooth of the arrow too. You know, I like all those, American yeah. solid piece construction. They're not expensive and man, they make a square. I posted today on Instagram, this whole, I, I shot a bunch of different heads into the steel plate. And you look at the, uh, the tooth of the arrow. I shot the tooth of the arrow XL solid. They make a solid now. And I shot that. And I mean, there are like all these little, like little two blade holes, you know, and then there's these four square chunks that you go, what did that? And that's <laughs> what the tooth of the arrow does. And so, man, that head, that, there's something. that That's an incredible head. So those are some of my favorites. You, I have a lot of others. On the uh, on the Exodus, do you like the swept back or the standard? Yeah. Okay, the that's swept, what I thought. The, the swept are just as strong because the thinnest point of the blades is the same it's the same thinness. There's a point that, now I don't mean the, the, the width, but like in the design, the geometry, um, both of them have the same narrowness at a certain point. So they're, they're, you know, they're just as strong, but the, uh, the, the flight forgiveness and the penetration goes a little bit more to the, uh, the swept because there's less surface area. Then for a mechanical, I really like the sever. I mean, I, I've taken, there's no mechanical, sever. there's none that can hold yeah. up like like a sever so huh. i i took a sever uh, 1.5 and i shot it into cinder block three times and it was still going strong three times Holy a mechanical cow. and it was still going strong so then i'm like i did a test on it i'm like i took out a, some elk scapula i had and i shot it through the elk scapula sometimes through the hardest part of the elk scapula, the thick part like 12 times a mechanical one head before the tip kind of broke a little bit. And then I did instruction test earlier this year, like out of 20 something mechanicals, I had lying around the house, 25 mechanicals or something, just to see a knockout round. You I know, was just did, watching that. That's what Andy was watching. I was just watching that. Oh, were you? Yeah, did you see your head get knocked out right The, first, <laughs> the very first one. I, I went, oh crap. Literally right before we got on the, the call with you, he goes, oh crap. <laughs> I mean, you know, that doesn't, that, it, it's obviously very lethal. But, you know, the Severs, they're always going to win that because they're just what they do. People don't understand it. Like, I mean, yeah, it's good, you know, materials and stuff like that. And the blades, you know, swing. So if one of them hits a hard impact on a bone, it'll swing and allow it to stay in course. So you don't get a ricochet within an animal. Okay. That's what affects blood trails. A lot mm. of times people think they hit it in a really good point And actually it glanced off a rib mm -hmm. and went back into the gut and they never knew that. And so that happens a lot of times when people don't find good blood, but the severs stay straight, but that's not the real beauty of it. It's hard to explain, but the way the blades lock together in the back, there's only two mechanicals that the blades lock open. 
and it's the uh, the afflictors lock open and the severs lock open and and so when they lock open like that they have a, a place that the blade ends can overlap if they both hit something really hard and it's like it, it allows there to be a little bit of give that keeps the blades from breaking so i can shoot them through it's the only sever's the only broadhead the sever 1.5 that i can shoot through the 22 gauge steel plate five times one mechanical head five times most fixed blade heads or many fixed blade heads can't do that no other mechanical heads have made it through more than once an afflictor made it through twice one time but the sever makes it through five times steel plate because those blades have that they absorb a little bit with that blade overlap hmm. so they're they're really special in that regard so and i know I, I don't remember is are those rear deploying as well yeah they're rear deploying and they also they they have a much smaller profile in flight than the vast majority of mechanical heads, like way smaller. There's just two little tiny wings, you know, sticking out. So they're very concentric, super low profile fly. I mean, I shot a zebra at 82 yards with one, like Holy in a smart. heavy wind. They just, they fly extremely well. They're by far the most durable. And then they, they only sell direct to consumer. So they avoid the middleman and, you know, you're getting a really top quality head at, you know, less than they would cost if they went through retail. Mm. And then I, you know, I'm an affiliate marketer with them, which I just approach them. I go, they didn't even do this. I go, Hey, you know what? Can I get a discount code to offer to my viewers? Because I go, I really like your heads. And, and they're like, well, how would that work? I go, well, I don't know. Just like give them a, a special deal. And then every time they use it, give me a little commission. So I make something, they make something. I make a lot less than they save, but I go, it's a win-win. So they go, okay. So I do that with them. So, you know, when you use my discount code, it's, uh, it's Lusk5, F-I-V-E, then you save five bucks on any order. So, and, and my discount code, they allow to be used on top of any online sales they have. So, you know, they have these, you know, buy six, get seven, and then, so that's already a deal. And then you use my code and it's like, it pays for the shipping. And so, I don't know, I, I kind of like doing that. And, you know, I, I love those heads, not because I, I, you know, I can get a discount, but they're just incredibly durable heads. So they're kind of my go-to head for North America nowadays. Now that you've been around all these heads and tested them all out and you have the engineering background, have you ever thought about maybe creating your own head? Yeah, I get asked that all the time. You know, it's a lot easier to be a critic than it is to be a creator. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. But I've had I've had people, you know, say, "Hey, could we team together?" And and there's some that I do that with, but not officially. Like I go, I you know, I I want to be objective. I don't want. I don't know. It's like this is my niche right now. Maybe I'll change that one day. What if I did do something? What I would really want to do is use premium components for a mechanical head, like, you know, like the A2 or the S7. And I keep begging those guys to do something like that. And they just don't, you know, the, the ones that make the really top tier fixed blade heads don't do that with mechanicals. It's kind of interesting, but I think the sever comes the closest to it. But if the sever was made out of A2 or something, whoa, that would be like, that would be incredible. game changing. Hmm. Yeah. I want to go back to Micah's the Thorn Crown real quick because one thing that was intriguing to me, I don't think it was your test, although I I know I could see it in your test because you you shot the ballistic gel on that on that one as well. 
what was intriguing to me is it seems like because they have a blade on every axis, basically, with eight different blades sticking out, that it kind of like drills a hole into whatever it's going into. So it's like, you know, you shoot it, it goes through, and then there's just a, <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. gone, whatever was there before. Did you, in your ballistic test with that, did you notice that, you know, when you look down the hole that it created? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, gel has a tendency to kind of close back in, but it was not unlike the uh, the toxic. The toxic does that as well. You know those toxic? Like yeah, they, weird, yeah. Yeah, they, they look really weird. Man, those things cut some serious cut. I did a test on those in the gel, and I'm like, whoa. Like, I mean, it made a wound channel. But, yeah, the crown does that. You know, and then, you know, the interesting thing is, yes, it bores a hole like you're talking about, but what it, it, it doesn't make a very wide hole. So it's interesting just can't see Andy's it. on Sever's website right <laughs> yeah, now, yeah. just so you know. Oh, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Here's my code. laughs> but, uh, There's still but, time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man, that 1.5, you know, they make a Robusto that's all steel. That thing is incredible. It's 2.0 cut and all steel. Gosh, I and mean, that stuck so far into center block. I, I couldn't get it out without breaking it off. But anyway, but I use the 1.5 typically for L because it's smaller. It penetrates more deeply. But um, wait, what were you asking me before? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I was talking about the The hole that that crown punches. The the drill. Yeah. It bores a hole. The challenge with it is it's not very wide. So, you know, can it plug up if a big hunk of guts, you know, a big, you know, organ, you know, like, you know, sometimes they do that. Just it, it, it it's because the the diameter is small that's where you run the risk Mm. um with something like that versus a wider cut but the pictures i've seen you know of deer that have been shot with that and you see the blood i mean it bores a hole right through them yeah did you ever test that and i don't remember the name of it but it was i'm pretty sure it was like a three blade and it had a ring around all that's three. The, that's the toxic. No, the toxic has more round, rounded blades. I'm pretty sure this yeah. one had an actual ring. Oh, oh yeah, okay. I do remember that. You know that when I when I saw that when I was in Colorado and Colorado, you can't. It's illegal to shoot blades that um that ex- that how do I say it that exist in more than one plane. Like you can't have curved blades. Okay. And so I couldn't. You know, I couldn't do that over there. Um. So I, I never did test that, and then it didn't last long. I did test one that looks like a pizza slicer, where it's like it has a, a ring like that, but going it uses it as a blade. Like its bleeder is like a disc, like a razor disc. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. And so it looks literally like a pizza cutter. It's like a triangle blade with a pizza cutter crossways. Man, that thing penetrated so well. I couldn't believe it. It was the deepest penetrating fixed blade head I'd shot at the time. But, you know, it wasn't as durable as some others. I, you know, I applaud whenever somebody tries something crazy, even if it's like crazy stupid that you go, that's so stupid. I just appreciate <laughs> that somebody tries it. And I really try to be respectful, you know, as much as I can. In my early years of testing, early days, I, I was too hard on on some heads. And, you know, this is somebody's business, somebody's dream, their brainchild, and they poured a lot into it. And so I'm, that's one of the reasons I created the system of data points too, is I don't have to be as subjective and I don't have to say, you know, what I really think I can say, here's how it performed. Yeah. You check out the score sheets. And because I, I don't want to bash 
on somebody's dream, but I want to be honest at the same time. So data points allow me to do that without being overly negative. Yeah, I bet that's been interesting. So I'm guessing you've, you don't need to tell specific stories, but I'm guessing you've probably received feedback from companies throughout the years um, of, I'm assuming heads that maybe didn't do as good as they were hoping, especially in the early years when you were kind of a little, like you said, meaner about it. Uh, there was one. Has that, that been um, interesting in your, in your time doing there, it? You know, there was really just one. Uh, well, there's been a, maybe two, but one that um, was, was bigger. And, you know, he, he just wrote to me and shared some things and, um, and, you know, I really find he was right. Like I just, I apologize to him. I go, you know what? You're right. And man, I've just been too negative. And, and so I retested those heads and, and, and showed them. I said, you know, Hey, in my earlier, I said, just what I just said in my earlier years, I was too hard on these and, you know, I'm going to test them again. And I bought them on my own dollar. They didn't comp them or anything like that. And then they tested really well. And yeah, they had some weakness, but every head has weaknesses. So I try to find a way to critique them in a, in a good way. So the viewer gets the full scoop on them, but yeah. in a respectful way at the same time. So I really, I think a lot of people have been bummed by, by my stuff. And a lot of people, when I ask to get heads comp, they, they don't respond. I think cause they know how their heads are going to do and they know what I test. Most everyone that I reach out to has seen my tests. And so they, they know, and you know, some have just told me straight up, no, you know, don't, don't want to do it. <laughs> and I get don't it. do it. Don't and, shoot our stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Others just don't respond. But I tell them, I go, listen, you're going to get 4,000 views in the first 24 hours. I go, this is just free advertising. You caught me ahead. Your cost is, you know, what, 10 bucks? And I go, you're getting 4,000 views in the first 24 hours. You know, why would you not want to do that yeah. unless you know what's going to happen? Right. <laughs> so, you know, so I like to buy heads. I'll buy a certain number of heads. And then I especially like it when viewers give me heads. I actually like that better than the, when a company gives them, cause then I just, I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not subjective, but I do feel a little bad if they've given me the head. Yeah. And, and then you give them a, well. a one out of but 10. If somebody, <laughs> yeah, if somebody just donates it, I'm like, I don't care. I'm just going to show what happens, but I still try to be respectful with it. Well, we really appreciate that you're out there testing them so yeah. that we don't have to. Right. And we can get, you know, cause it, it gets expensive. I'm sure really expensive. So that you're out there testing these things and putting them through the ringer and gives the feedback. Yep. It, it, we really appreciate that as a viewer. I was literally to the point when I bought my iron wheels, you know, all the little work I did, I'd find, I'd come down to, you know, that basic type of design and I almost bought a set of iron wheels and a set of day sixes. And I was going to decide which ones I like better. And I was going to drop 200 some dollars to not use one of them. And then I found his, his uh, YouTube channel and I'm like, okay. And then I found a few other, you know, independent reviews of each one and, you know, made my, my, made my decision. But, um, you made the right choice. I just, just posted, well, I didn't post it, but I uploaded it. I'll be posting it the next week or two. The, um, the, the day six isn't they're, they're not up to par with the iron wheel they're they're good heads but they're not up to par with the yeah iron wheel. and i and i i liked them and it's just like i said they were about the same price i think so i kind of yeah. made the decision so okay final final question before we let you off here and well you guys might have some too but especially obviously fixed blades a new thing that's pretty popular is sharpening blades mm. whether they're replaceable or not 
So what is your favorite sharpening method that you use when you're resharpening blades? I mean, so I just went through this personally. I bought two or three different things, and then I found something I, I prefer to use because I texted you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, crap, I need to return that stuff because I don't know why I bought that other thing. So what do you like doing when it comes to time to resharpen blades? Yeah. And like you, I've tried a lot of different things and a lot of different things do work. I have one video where, I mean, I'm showing all the different ways you can sharpen heads. I mean, you can use the bottom of a coffee mug, you know, ceramic, just, you can use a plate, you know, just the ceramic. I mean, that puts a really nice edge on. There's so much that, that you can ears use hurt. like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> makes makes our ears hurt is what we say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's true. I think the, the, the best system, honestly, is the stay sharp guide. I mean, those things are just the guy, Ron, who creates these things. He is just a wizard when it comes to mechanical devices. I, his brain is just in another league <laughs> and he just creates all these really inexpensive design specific broadhead sharpeners to where you go. How do I sharpen a concave head? How do I sharpen a convex head? You know, if it's, you know, convex like that or, you know, concave like that, you know, how do I like a kudu or, you know, a solid legend? Well, he creates this one, you know, sharpener that you can use on any concave or convex head. Or how do I sharpen, you know, a, a double bevel at this angle? How do I sharpen the iron wheel? Like, and he has, you know, specific broadhead specific sharpeners for like, you know, I don't know, under 20 bucks. And his system works and he has this YouTube channel. He just put out that he demonstrates them all. And man, I mean, it takes some work, especially with a good quality head to really sharpen it. Well, the whole idea of creating a burr, I never understood that to be honest. I just kind of would take out a stone and kind of stroke it a few times and go, yeah, you know, it feels sharp and that it is good. You know, it, it can get sharp like that. But when you create a burr on one side and then flip it over and you got to, you know, burr is like a little curve on the opposite side of the blade. And you got to do that to really be refining that edge. So, that, I mean, I really like the Stay Sharp Guide. I think they're the simplest and most consistent way to uh, to sharpen heads that kind of anybody can do it if they just follow the directions. Now, and I, I actually called because that's what I do. I called Stay Sharp. Everyone. Because I had a question. <laughs> And he talked to me for like 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, the only question I had is, should I get the sandpaper or the diamond plated, uh, diamond plates, I guess what they're called. And yeah. I, I ended up buying the diamond plates cause he explained it and it made sense. And he's like, with your iron wheels, you're going to want the diamond plates cause they're hard. And, um, it, it made sense, you know, the way he does things. And, and that's what I've noticed on some of the, the YouTube reviews of the, the different sharpening methods is the way I was going to do it was all going to be me freehanding it. And I bet I would have screwed that up. 99.9%. Mm -hmm. yeah. Stay sharp guide. You know, once you get that edge set, you're just basically going back and forth. So yeah, that freehanding it can be really tricky. It, you know, yeah, for sure. Some people are really good at it, but that's hard. Um, all right. You guys got, I mean, we basically asked him about every broadhead that ever existed, I think. <laughs> um, I think he did a good job explaining everything. And yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Thank you very much. I, I'm going to go watch some more videos here in a little bit. Andy has been on the Sever website I'm, I'm ever since the, you talked about that. He, he has me intrigued on these yeah. Severs. I've, I'm reading their website right now. And they're really... You know, they posted one of my videos on their website there under the videos. That's kind of cool. It's helped me get a lot of views. The yeah. one with that 
uh, destruction test. But if you just type in in uh, YouTube, if you just type sever Lusk, they'll all come up. You could do that with any broadhead. A lot of times people ask me, have you tested this head? Have you tested this head? All you have to do is go to YouTube, type in the name of the head and then Lusk. And if I've tested it, it'll pop right up. Nice. Exodus Lusk, you know, solid legend Lusk, like whatever it is. And then you can see all of them. It's it's kind of cool that you can do that. Cool. And then I have playlists, you know, I have like my hunting playlist, my Africa playlist, hog hunting playlist, turkey hunting playlist, and broadhead tests 2021 playlist and, you know, things like that, that you can kind of break it down and find the stuff easier too. Nice. Well, this is a perfect transition to that. Before we hop off, why don't you give everybody tell them how they can get a, or watch your videos, follow you on social media, and um, then we'll hop off. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so it's Lusk Archery Adventures, and you can follow me on Facebook or on Instagram. All of my videos are on YouTube. I have over 200 videos, multiple playlists, everything from bow tests to gear tests, mostly broadhead tests. Um, and then a lot of my own bow hunts because I don't just test stuff, but I test it in the field as well to see how it, you know, how it really works in a real world situation. But I, I respond to everything. I mean, all the questions, I mean, I get dozens and dozens a day on Instagram, on Facebook and, and on the, the comment section of the YouTube channel. And I, I do my best to respond. So any questions you have or, uh, any comments or anything, please just follow me on those platforms and, I hope to help. I mean, that's that's all I want to do is just give information, give data points to help anyone as the hunter find the best broadhead they can afford for their bow setup, their arrow setup, and for the game that they're pursuing. Yeah. And that's why we kind of did this show. Um, you know, potentially one of our listeners is thinking about some of the heads we talked about, or maybe they're thinking about making a change this year. And hopefully, you know, one of the broadheads they're looking at, you've done a review on and they can kind of at least get an idea of okay maybe it's not as durable as i would like because i'm going to go out west you know or, or whatever and they can you know help make a better informed decision on, on their purchase that's really you know the idea of you doing that's that that's right and uh and i post a new one like at least once a week so i you know, like i said i just finished 14 more and I'm, you know, editing the videos right now, compiling the footage, but I'll be posting them through the fall. I mean, this is prime time. So I, you know, I want to post sometimes two a week. So if you're wondering if I'm going to test something, you know, you can shoot me a message and I'll tell you if it's upcoming. Like I have a cool one coming up. That's a broadhead battle between the Montech or the G5 Montech and the G5 M3. So they came out with their solid, you know, they're both steel, one's vented, mm -hmm. one's solid. And I have that test and some, Evos and the Schwacker Levi mm -hmm. Morgan series. Like there's a bunch of cool heads that, that are coming up on, on the, on the new videos. Fun fact, G5 Montech was the first broadhead I ever shot. It was mine as well. I, uh, I come to find out they weren't, they're not as sharp out of the package as some of the other ones I've found. So yeah. that's why I switched. I don't know why. That's I think I ran out of that's them. What happens. <laughs> You know, with that, you know, it's it's because it's a 60 degree bevel, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the in a, in a solid piece construction three blade, the good thing is you can lay it flat on a stone, sharpen two edges at once. It's really simple. The bad thing is it is a 60 degree bevel. So that's only going to get so sharp. So Stay Sharp makes this new thing. I thought this was ingenious. They call it their 344 sharpener. And it's for a 60 degree three blade broadhead 
sharp, like, like the Montec, that you put it on this and you change that bevel angle from 60 degrees to 44 degrees, which is still very durable. And man, now it's much sharper. Hmm. So I love taking those 60 degree heads and putting them on that. And then they come out just way sharper. It's pretty cool. Nice. There you go. Well, John, we really appreciate you coming on and talking about broadhead testing. Uh, it's it's intriguing to us. I know every year our, oh, our brains are kind of moving like, hey, do we want to switch? You know, should I? And um, I'm <laughs> sure too. a lot of our listeners do the same thing. And if they're thinking about making the change, it's the end of August. should probably get on that. So if you haven't already and, um, you know, go follow John on his, his uh, pages and, and check out his videos and John, we appreciate you coming on and talking about this tonight. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's great chatting with you guys. And I wish you all the best in the season coming up. And uh, let's stay in touch. And feel free to, you know, ask me any follow-up questions or anything. I, I'd love to just keep the relationship going. Sounds good. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, appreciate buddy. That. We appreciate it. All right. Take care. Well, I think I uh, went ahead and bit the bullet. <laughs> <laughs> um, we hadn't even stopped recording yet. And you're on your phone. Yeah, sorry. Right, I'm going to make that, this John. order. <laughs> and uh, so you are the proud new owner of a, some new broadheads. I'm glad my wife doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> as far as you know. As far as I know. Yeah, but because, um, yeah, we leave soon and you're not confident anymore. <laughs> Hopefully they have fast shipping. Yeah, I'm sure you get them in time. But, I mean, yeah, I, I was looking like John was talking about those uh, severs and jumped on their website, read about them. Uh, pretty cool stuff there. And. I'm going to give them a shot. Bottom. If yep. they don't come in time for us to leave, I have broadhead sided in. I'm comfortable with, confident in, taking those. Are you confident in them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can hit what I'm aiming at. <laughs> You're confident you can hit something. Yep. And they're brand new, so. Right. Yeah. And like he said in the show, they'll do the job. Yep. Right. You know, I mean, they should do the job. So, you know, um, I was ex- – I, I loved the show. He He gave good information. Um, hell, he talked about how many different specific heads. We talked about the three that we were shooting. Mm-hmm. We got into some other ones that we had shot before or talked about. And Hell, he specifically talked about at least half a dozen different types of heads and then mechanicals mm-hmm. and the process. And, you know, it's nice if you're thinking about buying a head, you can – you can. he's he's unbiased as as, as best as he can be. Oh, Everybody absolutely. has certain biases. I'm sure there's things he does like and doesn't like, but he tries to, you know, shoot through the same type of material, same thickness, mm-hmm. so that, you know, you're not shooting through a different part of the bone or whatever. And uh, well, and it's one of those things. Even if you don't like maybe the rating he might give it, you're he shows you what he does. Yeah, you watch it. So I mean, you you can see, and I think he's true. He's pretty. I mean, objective and he yeah. re- reports what he sees. It's a as honest review as he can do absolutely as anybody can do yeah yeah and um there's i'm sure he'll keep refining i mean ever since i've watched some of his older videos and he did it differently than he does now and i'm sure he'll keep refining his process just because he's an engineer and that's what engineers do yeah well i watched that video a while ago and i was like did did he just shoot that into concrete Yep. Is that was that concrete? <laughs> he does that for fun. I don't think that's like part of the test, but if it does really well, he's like, I'm gonna shoot this thing in right. a cinder block. It's a little bit of an extra durability yeah. to, uh, test. Yeah. And I just you know, I didn't ask him this on the show, but where does he get all his stuff? Like he shoots through, you know, stack cardboard, right? That's got a lot of cardboard you go through and how you get all that the cinder blocks you keep shooting and <laughs> I'm at yeah. the grocery store or something like that and give me <laughs> cardboard. Just, yeah. The steel he probably has to go to a shop and get, get I'm sure. Some, but. Right. 
So anyway, we appreciate John coming on. We really thank him for his time. Um, he enjoys doing those videos and, you know, helping people make decisions on what they're going to get. And at least if he's done a review on the head that you're looking at, you can watch it, mm-hmm. help yourself make a decision. And he's going to try to at least not be biased on it best he can. Yeah. So. True. All right. You guys got anything else before we hop off? I just got to go get in shape to, to go out to Colorado. No dad jokes? Uh, not really. Just, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just a, out of shape. My, my wife told me I should start doing lunges or something to get ready. Told her I wasn't ready to take that big of a step. <laughs> just a lot you know you got me on that just one. a lot your last two dad jokes have actually they've hit hard because I, I thought he was serious both times right i'm like right. oh caught you off guard that's can't call, can't call that's you fat right now i get it i get it, you know, I get it. Yep. and then untrue. boom perfect yeah. oh man that's perfect that setup. Good. Uh, i'll try not to snort on our show either but i almost did on that one if you guys have made it to john's youtube page uh lusk archery adventures go check it out there's awesome stuff out there but uh, we appreciate him coming on yep yep see you fellers <laughs>